As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome to the Hawks Talk Podcast, brought to you by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. I am Pat Boyle, joined this week by Charlie Romeliotis and Slavko Bekovic. Guys, how you doing? Doing good. Not too bad. We are all about the draft in this week's podcast. Uh, of course, it starts next week, Friday, June 22nd in Dallas. Charlie, uh, you and I will be there. We will have a podcast Friday night after the first round. Hawks have that eighth overall selection and the 27th. Before we get your guys' thoughts on what the Hawks may do in the first round, we kick off this week's podcast with my interview with Vice President of Amateur Scouting, Mark Kelly. And my first question to Mark, how does this draft grade out overall? Uh, I think it's a very good draft in terms of elite talent. I think you have Darlene. Um, I think you have a few more defensemen uh, that can be impactful players. And I think there's um, there's you know there's a handful of forwards who can be impactful players. Is there a position in this draft that is uh, exceptionally deep? Uh, I think it's deep for defensemen, but I think it's deep uh, with forwards, with wingers too. Okay, well, obviously defenseman was a priority last draft for the Blackhawks. I think at last count, fifteen Blackhawks defensemen under NHL contract for next year. Four are right-handed shots. Uh, Yoki Haru would make it five if, if he made the team. Um, what does what the, the class look like as far as right-handed shooting defensemen? Uh, there, there's, there's, uh, there's, good, there's a good class of defensemen shooting right-handed, uh, and it, that's augmented by the left-handed shots too. But uh, the right-handed uh, shots... Uh, there aren't as many right-handed shot players in hockey, but this year's draft um, with defensemen has a good assortment. Mark, we've seen in years past, obviously with where the Hawks have drafted, you guys have been able to to trade back down and still grab uh, a, a desired player like you did last year with Henry uh, Yoki Haru. Uh, is there consideration of moving up from the eighth spot and possibly – would you possibly package the 27 as part of that plan? Uh, at this point, it's hard to say um, what you would package together. You don't know what the cost would be. But I think that we will go into uh, the weeks leading up to the draft with an open mind. Um, I, I think it's going to be tough to move up in this draft, uh, move up significantly. Like, it, it, when you look at, when you, you said it's, it's a good uh, group as far as elite talent goes. Uh, some of the other leagues will say, like, uh, you know, from seven down, it, it's a little different. There's maybe seven game-changing type players. Are, is there a number where you think, like, is it top five? Is it top ten? Is it 
top 15 where these uh, these difference-making, organizationally difference-making players exist in this draft? Well, I think you're looking at the very top, maybe the top two uh, spots in the draft where you're looking at a player that can go in and um, alter the landscape of an organization. After that, I think that uh, you know what you're looking for is players that, that can come in and impact a team. And I think that's really what it is. I think a draft at first has players that can, um, you know, that, that can alter a franchise. And then the next thing you want is players that can come in and impact a team, not just be on a team. And that speaks to kind of where this franchise is at right now, you know, with the core, with that window closing for them to a degree, NHL ready player seems to be uh, something that you guys are desiring. When you, when you hear uh, Oliver Wallstrom uh, came out and said he's going to play the 18-19 season in college. You know, he's a player that could be there for the Hawks at eight. Uh, not specifically him, but does that have an impact when deciding who you're going to draft? Are you, guys, are you guys leaning as an organization to NHL ready uh, over somebody who is, say, going to be committed to college? No, I think the way we would evaluate it, I think we project them. We try to... Um you know, get a timeline on when we think they might be NHL ready. But we're also we're looking for uh, where they are on the development curve and what their ceiling is. And I think um, in, in some players you have to be a little bit more patient for them to reach their ceiling. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that um, players can ex, uh, ex, exceed their um development curve. I mean, I think we saw that with Alex Debrinkit last year. The other thing we, we see, too, is the transition from the, the large ice overseas to the North American game. And um, is, that, is that one of the toughest things to um, when it comes to scouting, trying to project how, let's say, a defenseman is going to play on the on a smaller ice, or adapt his game to less time and and less space to make crucial decisions. Well, that that definitely um, that plays into it. Any any time we can see these uh, international players playing in the North America or on a smaller sheet, um, that's beneficial for us. Uh, some of the countries over there, some of the buildings um, are really more of a hybrid side, so they're they're actually. Uh, between an Olympic and an NHL. So we look to see if we can catch the players playing in those buildings also. And, uh, you know, Stan Bowman said on draft lottery night that position doesn't matter at eight. Uh, what do you look for in a player when deciding between best available and the position they play if it's, if it's close and, and somehow, you know, the need for the organization is, is this? Well, I think what we're really going to be looking for is the player that can make the most impact on the organization in the long run. Uh, if we need a little bit of time to uh, let the player develop, I think you know we're comfortable with that. But but where we're drafting, what we're going to be looking for is uh, you know really the who um, would be the best player regardless of the position and really regardless of the timeline. Right. What's your thoughts on Henry uh, Yokiharu's development, and do you believe he's – you think he's got a shot at playing uh, to start this season in the NHL? 
Well, I think uh, Henry had a uh, fantastic year out west, and then uh, he, in the spring he went over. He played, I think, close to eight or nine games with the Finnish national team before the World Championships, and uh, I think he opened a lot of eyes with the way he played with the national team. I think if Henry has a really good summer training, uh, comes into camp, I, I certainly think he gets a good look. Well, that sounds really encouraging. Obviously, you know, uh, the blue line is a, a, a top priority this year, as well as backing up uh, Corey Crawford. You guys signed Kevin uh, Lankin in this past yeah. week. How, how does this draft look as far as uh, goaltenders? Uh, this is, there, there's no goaltender. I don't think there's going to be a goaltender taken in the first round. Um, I suspect somebody, a goaltender, will crack the second round, and I think we're going to see a run in the uh, in the late second or into the third round. I think that's when the goaltenders are going to start to go. Nobody has set themselves up this year as um, uh, as being a sure type thing in the goaltending position. So uh, I think I think there's some good value in goaltenders as we go through the draft. And one of the things we'll look at there is um, the goaltender, where he's going to play, and just what kind of a uh, development track he would be on. You mentioned at the top uh, how this is a, a deep draft at winger. Uh, you know, one thing we see is, you know, these players put up these crazy numbers, whether it's in junior, whether it's in college, uh, you name it, overseas. And then they come to the NHL. Obviously, things change, time and space. But the other part of the equation is edge, willingness to go to the tough areas. When it comes to your evaluation and all the scouts, how much of an emphasis or how are you able to uh, truly grade in that area uh, when, you know, every level doesn't have, obviously, the, uh, the tough areas like the NHL does? Well, but every, every level has its own tough area relative to itself. So one of the things we do is we track players. We like to see, um, you know, where they're scoring from. And that'll give you an indication uh, how willing they are. And is there, uh, there are a few guys in this draft that, uh, that have that characteristic that you guys have seen as you guys put together your draft board? Oh, definitely, definitely. There's, there's, you know, there's certain players that stand out to us for their willingness to get to the front of the net and you know, to play along the boards and play behind the net. My thanks to Mark Kelly. I'm joined again by Charlie and Slavko. Uh, boys, what did you take away from the conversation with Mark Kelly? Yeah, he didn't. He didn't say. Uh, he didn't show his hand too much. So uh, there, you can't yeah, really. It's a, it's a savvy veteran. Straight move. Savvy veteran yeah. move. But but I did think it was uh, noteworthy when we asked uh, or when you asked whether um, you, they, the Blackhawks would consider trading up, and he didn't deny it nor say we'll explore it. But he he did say. It's going to be difficult to trade up significantly in this draft. So he did kind of leave the door open that like they might, they could move up potentially a, a few spots if they want to get the guy. But I, I don't see a move where they would significantly uh, move up maybe to the two or three spot or maybe even four for, with Ottawa. So what would significant be to you? Eight, 
to five? I would say eight to two or three. I would say significant to me means in the two to four range, maybe five. But five, five seems doable because it sounds like Arizona m might be willing to explore that trade. But and you've said for a while now, Carolina is such a wild card. Yeah. Because we don't know what their new owner wants to do, what direction that franchise wants to go in in general. So do they pick a guy and, and go, all right, this is our guy for the next decade that we're going to kind of build our franchise around, assuming maybe that they don't stay in Carolina? Or do they trade out and, you know, just sh ship off all of the other pieces? You know, we've heard some rumors already about Darling and Justin Falk, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty more rumors coming up as we get closer to the draft. The thing that stood out to me most, it was actually two things. One was surprising. One was not. What wasn't surprising was that he said pretty explicitly, we're going to look at guys who are willing to get to the net, play along the boards. Those are going to be forwards that we consider a little bit higher or value a little bit more because that's what they've lacked since Andrew Shaw left, really, for the mm -hmm. Hawks. What surprised me was him saying, yeah, pretty much anyone's going to say we want to go best overall player when you get to that pick. But him saying they're okay with someone who might take a couple years to make the NHL was a bit surprising to me because I would have thought guys like Adam Boquist, who's probably two or three years away, or now that we know that Wallstrom might not be playing right off the bat. Going to BC. Right. So that might, in theory, go, all right, well, the Hawks are probably going to avoid guys like that. If they're there and they still think they're best of overall, that's going to be the pick. Yeah, again, like you, you said, he, he, he played a great poker hand. He <laughs> kind of left everything open. I was shocked by that because, to me, uh, with the core, where it's at right now, with the fact that they didn't make the playoffs last year, that it's been two one-and-dones, and that window's closing, I think they want I, NHL ready. Uh, but, again, Kelly left the door open to that. So, let me just ask you this to start things off, and that, not just moving up from eight. Let's just say dealing the eighth overall pick or the 27th. Do you see that as a likelihood uh, for this team next week? I think it's more likelihood that the 27th pick is moved rather than the eighth. Okay. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I feel about attaching the 27 to the 8 to move up a few spots. I kind of like the idea of just picking the best available at number 8 and then see what you can do with 27. Um, you know, if you do trade the 8, you would have to get someone like, you know, you would have to get an immediate player. Like Justin Falk has been linked to Chicago, but he's got he's only got two years left on his contract. So it's like you'd be trading the number 8 overall pick for, you know, Obviously, a right-handed shot defenseman, a top-four guy, but you only get two years of him, and that, you know, so it would have to be something. But it's a reasonable deal. It's, it's a reasonable deal. Yeah, I just you're I, kind of buying him low off of last season, and you know, we assume in two years the cap will continue to get better as it is better now than it was a year and a, uh, two years ago for the Hawks. So right. I know what you're saying, but like to me. Top priority number one, Slavko, is is a top four defenseman to elevate everybody's sure. game. And to get somebody who's NHL ready, you got to give up something. Right. And that might take that eighth overall pick. You know, um, boy, they haven't picked this high since Kane's draft, right. but it, they might have to. You, you've got to think nothing's off the table for right. them. If someone comes up and says, hey, we want the number eight pick, we're going to give you this NHL ready player under the age of, you know, 28 who's under – you know, a decent contract, 
they pretty much have to say yes with, with where this team is because that's more valuable to them than whatever they're going to get at number eight unless they really think someone's going to fall to them there that is going to be NHL-ready come October and he's going to be a contributor, not just someone who can play, but someone who's going to contribute right away, whether that's top six forward who can score or a top four D-man. To project a defenseman, no matter who it is, if it's Noah Dobson or whoever is available at eight, if they pick that D-man, it's going to be really tough for them to crack the lineup day one and be a quality NHL player. As you know, it obviously takes a lot longer for defensemen to to prepare to play in the NHL, especially coming from juniors or overseas. You're playing against much stronger, much faster players, much smarter players. Smaller ice surface. Exactly. So, I mean, there's a lot to get used to. Forwards can come in and they can score. If you can score, you can score. And if you play on a line with, oh, I don't know, Patrick Kane, you're going to get set up for some pretty easy goals. That's a little bit different. But to get a defenseman at number eight that we think is going to play 18 minutes of ice time right off the bat and, you know, contribute on special teams, that's it's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, and, and sorry to really quick. Uh, to clarify, I don't, like, um, immediately if you want to trade the number eight pick, like, I'm totally o- okay with it. Only if it's, like, a guy like Jacob Truber or Noah Hannafin where they're young and you can sign them to a long-term yes, deal. Yeah. Like, right. Justin right. Falk for the eight pick or whatever, however you want to work. Like, that's too risky to me because then you're literally saying ne- this year and next year and that's it. Yeah. Right. Right. No, I, I'm with you guys. Look, uh, so let's get back to the draft here. And the only thing I think we know for sure, Buffalo is going to take Rasmus Dahlin for sure. Carolina, we said, is a wild card. But it seems like Andre uh, Zvechnikov is the consensus number two. And then the draft starts at three with uh, Montreal. Uh, with Montreal. And, uh, they're just as much of a wild card. And they're, card they're as a wild card with a lot of rumors of Pacioretty and the whole nine yards. And Mark Bergevin, of course, who was here with the Hawks. Uh, running the show there. Let's look at the demon that could be available at eight. Uh, Evan Bochard, uh, 6'2", 193-pounder. Noah Dobson, we had mentioned, a righty shot out of Prince Edward Island. Um, we've got Quinn Hughes, uh, the lefty shot out of Michigan. And Bokvist, Adam Bokvist, 5'11", 168, a Swedish demon. He's a right righty shot. Uh, in this group, who do you like? Who could be a possible fit? Uh, okay, so I'll, I'll run through those four names. Evan Bouchard, I think he's he's the most NHL-ready out of the four. Agreed. But I, I don't think he has the highest upside. So if, if, the four, if those four guys, I would prefer Quinn Hughes, but I don't think the Blackhawks would go in that direction because it's another undersized defenseman, and they have that in Henry Yokiharu, unless... You know, they plan on trading Yoki Hari for a top four defenseman and they, they can be more patient with Quinn, Quinn Hughes. Whatever. I, I, I like Quinn Hughes out of the group, but if, if the Blackhawks' goal is to try to get the best NHL defenseman who can step in as soon as possible, I would go Evan Bouchard. Bouchard is probably, like you, like you said, he'll be the one that's most ready day one. He's already going to be an asset on the power play. He's, of the four guys, he's the most ready power play quarterback, so to speak, the guy that you can probably put on your second unit right off the bat and be comfortable with. He led all OHL defensemen in points. He's got a good shot. He's got great vision. Um, He's not the fastest skater. He's not the strongest guy, but he's got good size at 6'2", 195. He can still fill out a little bit. But he comes from London, which is a team that has a pedigree of winning. Patrick Patrick Kane. Kane. That's right. So, and they made a lot of trades midseason, and, and he spoke about that at the Combine, basically saying 
it was like having two different seasons within one season. Um, Bouchard is probably the most ready. Dobson, I think, has the highest ceiling because he's got size. He's got offensive ability. He won the Memorial Cup in the QMJHL. Um, at 6'3", about 180, still got a lot of room to fill out, too. Good shot. Again, good awareness. Another power play asset. Hughes, man, he's the best skater, I think, out of all the defensemen, and that includes Darlene. I mean, he he's really smooth with the puck, but 5'10", like you said, with Yoki Haru, and it's a big question. I don't know if any of these guys are really ready to play day one. I think Bouchard has the best chance. I think Boquist is out of the question to me if you're the Hawks because he's still two or three years away. He might have the highest ceiling, though. He is nasty offensively, really fast, great shot. Uh, he's played with Dahlin pretty much his entire career coming up with Sweden, but another undersized guy. I mean, offensively, though, he, he, he's got the entire package. I like what you guys were talking about as far as Bouchard coming out of the OHL. It has been a – it's been, to me, the most, you know – I don't say sure bet, but NHL ready. The guys that we've seen come out of there uh, seem to perform at a high level, and it, it, it's not as hit or miss as maybe what we see from from the college player. Uh, you guys watched all the take a look at all the mock drafts that I've been looking at. A lot of these guys are gone in the various mock drafts before eight, so we'll even see if that's even a possibility. But uh, uh, Bouchard seems to be, you know, obviously that would be the, like you said, the most NHL ready and would be the dream pick. I just don't think he's going to fall to eight. Yeah, and it, it's tricky too because three of the four guys that we mentioned, uh, three of those guys are, are right-handed shots. And they've already got Seabrook, Connor Murphy, Henry Yogiharu, uh, all these guys that are coming up that are, that are right-handed shots. And you can never have enough right-handed shot defensemen because there aren't a ton of quality ones in the NHL. But I still think uh, you, you need to balance it out. And, and this is the problem with Quinn Hughes, too, is because he's, he's undersized. And, you know, they, they need someone that can be a top four defenseman that can be a physical presence as well as being a puck mover and play on the PK, power play, whatever. But, yeah, like if, if there's a defenseman there at eight, like they're probably getting the fourth or fifth best one. And, like, it takes a while for a defenseman to develop. But, you know, it's I, crazy because over the last week we've seen a number of forward. And now we're talking about potentially Brady Kachuk being a top five pick or Kokaniemi, the center out of Finland, who's skyrocketing up the draft charts. That that means that somebody like Bouchard or Dobson is going to fall and be there for number eight if the Hawks decide to stay there. I think Bouchard will probably be the first D-man off the board after Darlene. Then it's kind of a crapshoot. I know the Hawks are supposed to be high on Dobson. They met with him after the combine privately uh, outside of that. And we've heard him and Wallstrom as kind of the top two guys if they stay at number eight. So I think with some of these forwards kind of jumping up in draft boards, you might end up having a pick of two out of the three. Yeah, and it's not out of the question either because Ivan Provorov and Miguel Sergachev and, and Charlie McAvoy, like all these guys are 20 or, or below, like right. or 19 and They're putting up old, points. And they're putting up points. Like, so this is where we're headed in the NHL, where young defensemen are stepping in right away. So it's definitely not out of the question. But we know how Joel Quinville is with his defensemen. He <laughs> yeah. wants them to be defensively responsible, and that might take time. I think uh, that's why they want Dobson. I think Dobson is the most responsible in his own zone. He's got size. He's got a good reach. Uh, I mean, even if he's a little bit out of position or if guys skate by him, he can poke check. He can use his body to help some of that. And that's a great that. point because, um, boy, the teams that were left standing 
in the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, had size playing inside the dots, and other than Seabrook, who has lost a couple steps, we don't have a lot of physical players that can match up well. I mean, we, we saw Carlson get crossed. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's a different game in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and it's while the Hawks don't play that, that physical style, um, it would be nice to have a body that uh, would combat the, the the tough, hard-nosed forward that you tend to see uh, at the end of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Right. I think I think you need both. Like you need your puck movers. You need your guys that can create offense on on the back end. But you know you also need to you also need those dare I say Connor Murphy type players where they're they're hard to they're they're hard to play against. And you know maybe Connor Murphy isn't the best example, but you know he's he's really the only guy that stands out to me as a physical presence aside from Brent Seabrook. But I kind of. I think of him more as a third-pairing guy now. Yeah. And when you mention these young NHL defensemen who are putting up points at a young age, the, I think when you look at the Hawks, you almost think, well, maybe Duncan Keith, as he gets older, can become a guy who stays at home a little bit more and focuses more in his own zone, and then you you know pair him with a guy like Bouchard or Dobson. Exactly. Keith. And I, I think we saw that with Kempney too, exactly. right? You yeah. know, like you don't just evaluate the, the defenseman or the player – you, you also have to look at who they're paired with. And I think last year they had so many fives and sixes that they were fives and sixes. It was, if, if it was a two and a, and a five, that may have worked. But there were too many you know, third-pair defensemen that were, you were trying to run through there. Let's go to forwards quickly here. Uh, we mentioned Brady Kachuk, Oliver Wallstrom. Again, he's going to play at BC next year. And you heard Kelly say that you know, they, they would be open to that if he's the best player available. Uh, Kokunemi, uh, Kokunemi, how do you say Some of these it? names, man, are <laughs> just so uh, Yeah, uh, well, I like that because, look, it, when you look at this organization right now, center is a, a, a position of need. And uh, I like his size. Uh, again, coming from Finland, uh, you know, we'd have to make that adjustment to the smaller sheet. But your thoughts on, on some of the forwards that could be available at eight? Um, so my favorite of the, of the group is probably Brady Tuchuk. And this is uh, Slavko, I know you he's disagree. A po- he's a very polarizing guy. <laughs> well, uh, well, well, I'll have you go after. But So this is interesting to me because I think Brady Tuchuk could easily go to four at Ottawa if Ottawa keeps the pick. But after that, I'm not like Arizona might move that pick. I'm, I'm not convinced that they'll keep it. And then six, seven is Detroit, Vancouver. And I'm pretty sure they're going to go defenseman. So... Brady Tuchuk goes from being like a potential top four pick to he could be at the he could be there at eight for the Blackhawks and if he is there at eight, I think it's a no brainer. Um, the second guy, maybe more realistically, would be Oliver Wallstrom. But again, um, I need I need to read into this. But if if he does it because he already committed to to BC, he right. already committed for the next season, so he would have to sign an entry level deal at the end of his year. But there's no way the Blackhawks would burn it. You know, like they wouldn't burn his the first of the entry level deal. But anyways, if the, if he if he didn't go to uh, college, would he be eligible to play in Rockford? If he what's the age? Not, isn't nine, there like an age you got. Yeah, you got to be twenty, right? Yeah, you've got to be twenty, right? So yeah. like, I don't even know. Like, it's either like Blackhawks or college, right? For Oliver, like, I'm, what I'm would you sure, have to yeah, do? Yeah, those are the only two options. Yeah, 
They're, Which is, yeah, I, I, I need clarification on that. He's obviously aged out of the U.S. development team, and it's either college, but like you said, if they let him go to B.C. and they go through whatever run and they sign him, you're getting him for 10 games at most at the end of the year. You would only burn that year unless you're desperate for some scoring and you're confident that he can come in and play right away. But the Hawks would also have to be in a position where they're expecting either to make a push for the Stanley Cup or they're, they're just absolutely desperate for some kind of youth in, right. in general. So basically what I'm getting at is at, at eight, they need an impact player, whether that's going to – like ideally that player would be in the Blackhawks system and then they could call him up whenever, you know, midseason, whenever he's ready and he can make an impact kind of be that Vinny Hinestroza where he, you call him up midseason and it's kind of like a, a trade deadline acquisition in and of itself. So, you know, ideally that would be that, you know, that would be um, – you know, if the Blackhawks can draft someone at eight, you know, that would be great. But um, Oliver Wallstrom, like, I would not apologize if they drafted Oliver Wallstrom. He's, he's got upside. Arguably the sure. best shot in this draft class. I mean, Svechnikov and Zadina are, are both there. But Wallstrom, I mean, since Panarin left, the Hawks never really had that one-time threat. And Wallstrom's, like, legit NHL-ready shot right off the bat. Um the BC thing, I, I wonder how that plays into what they expect out of him. Yeah. I think with Kachuk, the draw is clearly a guy that has some finesse and playmaking, but he's the guy that grits it around the net. He's going to yeah. score the dirty goals. He'll play behind the net, and that's exactly what Mark Kelly said. Yeah. It, they're they're going to value guys who are, gonna, who are willing to play that gritty game over maybe some other players, and especially, I think, if they expect Kachuk to be able to come in and play right away at day one. I just don't see Arizona letting – the Scottsdale hometown guy, Kachuk, I, I just don't see them uh, You're assuming the Coyotes on. know what they're doing. In well, the, that's in true, general. too. They figured out that to sign Oliver ekman Larson, which we wondered if that was going to happen or not. But uh, and you, you mentioned Kachuk going to Ottawa at four. I can't see them not taking a defenseman knowing Carlson's on his way out. Right. And now with the whole Mike Hoffman thing that's going – I mean, yeah. listen, I have a no idea. They're a mess. So, I have – then there's actually – there's reports some, coming out saying we haven't even seen the worst – not maybe the worst of it, but like something else is going to come yikes. out of Ottawa in the next couple weeks, which is going to be crazy. But see, the thing I love about Tuchuk, though, is he's the kind of guy that the Blackhawks need, but he's not like – He's not just a, a gritty player. Like he he's a top six oh, yeah, guy. He's got good hands, you know what yeah. I mean? Like when you can when you can check that many boxes with one player, that is a he, because what do we always say? The Blackhawks need net front presence. Net yeah. front, well, you know they can go out and get a, a net front presence guy, but he's gonna see what like twelve minutes of ice time because he's gonna just sit in front of the power point. Like Brady can Brady to Chuck. He's the guy. I know he didn't score a lot of goals in college, but like he's Eight a guy that can score in a, in a freshman season is a bit concerning. And you put him on Brandon Saad, Brandon Saad and Jonathan Taves, who like had trouble scoring around the net this year. That line would be, you know. It, and, and here's the thing: um, this is where the the possibility of moving up from eight could really. I mean, you know, Kachuk might not go past five, you know. But if you could move up two or three spots to land him, um, it's kind of. It doesn't happen very often in the NHL draft, so that's kind of – it'd be interesting. You know, you'd obviously have to package eight with a, a top prospect or a NHL roster player My, to try to move up that spot. Don't you think – let's say you want to move up two or three spots. You give them eight and either a young defenseman like Gustafson or maybe even Hillman, if you're willing to trade out of that kind of depth and almost glut that you have now from four, you know, D-man two to ten – 
if you package one of those guys in eight, that probably gets you up at least a couple spots. But maybe teams are going to say, well, we know what you have, but we want a guy like Vinny Hinestroza. Yeah, and yes, that's who you, they're going to ask. Right, and are you willing to make that move to go get a question mark when you know what you've got in Hinestroza and you can get – Still a very good player at eight. There's there's almost no untouchables in, in my world on that roster. Although, like, Schmaltz, I mean, Kane is by far untouchable. Right. Um, but of the young guys, Vinny's on that borderline. I think Schmaltz is untouchable, but Vinny, I'd listen if, if it was the right deal. Right. Yeah, so I'm looking at Detroit and Vancouver are six and seven. I'm looking at... The three to five range is just intriguing to me because it's Montreal, Ottawa, Arizona. I don't think the Blackhawks would trade with either of those three teams in fear of them taking the guy they want. I think the Blackhawks would trade up to three, four, five because there's a threat of somebody else trading yeah. Detroit and, has and taking needs. those guys. Uh, I don't think Detroit's going to trade. I think Detroit will just take the best available D. Although There's some rumors out of Detroit that they're willing to trade up, though, because I yeah, think that's they're not, really high on Bouchard or yeah. Quinn Hughes keeping the in-state guy. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm not sure Chicago would trade up to grab the defenseman. I think they would trade up to, right. to grab the forward they want to step in right but now. But the question being, there's other teams like Detroit that also want to trade up for a defenseman. So right. is it even worth trading up if you know that I personally think Ottawa takes a D-man, I think Detroit takes a D-man, and Arizona a wild card? That means that you're going to have a forward that falls to you at eight. Yep. All right, so with all that said, I'm going to uh, have you guys give me your prediction <laughs> uh, on who they take at eight. And if you have a strong feeling that they're going to be able to move up from eight to five, six, whatever, uh, go with that and uh, and tell me who you think they'll land. I'll, I'll say this. If Brady Tuchuk is at eight, I would be shocked if they do not take him. And if, if he's off the board, I think they'll go Oliver Wallstrom. I think that they will attempt to trade up and not be able to do so because teams are going to want too much. So I think they stay at eight and they take Noah Dobson. That's I'll, kind of been my gut. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on Noah Dobson. If Bouchard was there, I think they would absolutely take him. Um, I think Hughes will end up going to Detroit. And uh, the, if they end up going forward, uh, I don't see Kachuk falling to eight. So I would, I would agree with you. Wallstrom would be the pick if they go forward. Um, now, we've heard tons of rumors, guys. And, I mean, it is wide-ranging. <laughs> like, in some of it, we know the, the salary cap situation, and we know, like, a guy like what John Tavares is going to command on the open market, and still you're hearing his name being mad. I mean, who wouldn't be interested in Tavares? But, anyways, you hear Tavares, you hear Pacioretty, you hear Eric Carlson, you hear Falk, Truba. Uh, of all these things, is anything – do you have any clarity, anything that makes sense to you that you believe – the Hawks could trade for or acquire via free agency. Well, it's very weird because John Tavares is an unrestricted free agent this summer, and like all my attention is on Ottawa and Carolina. Like those are the those are the the two teams that can literally shake up the entire NHL. Because John Tavares, when they when they hired Lou Lamorello, John it kind of seems like John Tavares is going to resign in New York. So that's kind of like to the back burner now, like Carolina and Ottawa hold all the cards because you figure Eric Carlson's going to get traded. You figure Mike Hoffman's going to get traded. Carolina could potentially fire sale and just trade Justin Falk. Like Scott Darling is available, is probably available. 
Like, uh, there's a lot of different directions you can go in. To me, I'm just like, I look at the Blackhawks and I look at Carolina. There's something that can be worked out there. I just can't figure well, out Why? Is it because we're always making trades with Carolina? There's, there's something there. There's the need for a backup goalie, Scott Darling. Can Carolina eat some of that salary? Sure. Oh, by the way, they could also take Marion Host's contract. Oh, the Blackhawks need a top defenseman. Oh, Justin Falk or Noah Hannafin. Like, something is there. I, I just can't pinpoint it. I, 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 don't, know, I don't know how to do it. Hannafin would be such a perfect fit for the Blackhawks. I just don't know if they'll be able to find the right – like you said, you look at it on paper and you go, okay, there's a fit here. But then you look at it and you can go, oh, my God, they can do a monster trade if they really wanted to put, you know, put their heads together and come up with something that can help – the Blackhawks right now and Carolina for whatever it is they're, they're trying to accomplish in the near future. I think Tavares is obviously would be, you know, a huge addition, and they're going to have the cap, cap space. They're, I think, just over $6 million now. So with Hosa's extra $5.5 million or so, or 5.75, whatever his cap hit would be, takes you to about 11 ish You're expecting the cap to go up to 80. That's a $5 million gap. That takes you to 16. Yeah. That's, I mean, if you're just signing two players – that's enough to make two quality free agent signings. I don't think that they'll go that route. Yeah, because how do you sign, re-sign to bring in right. Schmaltz after that? I think you'll re-sign or you'll sign as a free agent a second-tier kind of guy, someone that they can either a, maybe a bottom six forward or if they think a guy like Cole is worth it as a free agent. But I think they're going to be extremely active in the trade market, whether that's with Carolina, whether that's with Ottawa. or uh, Jacob Truba is a really, really enticing name. But his agent is a madman. They want a lot of money. They've already uh, held out once with Winnipeg. And they kind of remind me now with what they're going to have to do to re-sign Line A, what they're going to have to do eventually with Connor after his uh, entry-level contract is up. Truba might be the guy that just gets squeezed out because they need to keep all their own players. They're going to want a lot in a trade return because he's a restricted free agent. And then you're going to have to sign him to a really – expensive deal what, what do you think true so he made almost three million this year 24 years of age uh what what do you think he commands as a restricted free agent? he's asking for drew dowdy money so he wants seven million or more wow and for a guy who only scored three goals and yeah you know, i i don't see the hot that's too rich for the hawks blood agreed yeah but i'd rather give him that money though than john carlson because you're getting a guy that's four years younger yeah and he's a little bit and he he Troop is a little bit more of a stay-at-home defenseman, too. Right. He's kind of more of a stalwart, I guess, than, than Carlson. Carlson guy puts up the points. He's a power play asset, but he's going to get more than $8 million on the free agent yeah. market. The problem is you'd have to trade for Truba, and Carlson is right. just free. You know, yeah. Or, like, you don't have to give anything. Carl's, Eric Carlson, though, is a perfect fit, too, but he's got yeah, one year left. Let me ask you that. <laughs> what? Because, like, it's a dumpster fire in Ottawa. We know that. <laughs> Mike Hoffman looks like he's gone. I don't know if that will appease Eric Carlson with what he's gone through. I don't know. I mean, they've got so much going on there. I think he's requested a trade, Eric Carlson. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so he's, I mean, he's out. So <laughs> so he wants out. Now, will they Will they oblige? He's got the one year re- remaining um, at $6.5 million. They're in a bad spot. They have no leverage. W- would you give up the 27th and a significant piece on the roster. And by that, I mean Hinnestroza. 27 and Hinnestroza, I would I'd take that chance easily. Yeah. But I think it's, it's going well, to You think it's going to take eight? Yeah. It's going to take I, the, It's going to take so. a lot. Okay. It's going to take eight, 27, maybe side. Yeah, would that, you do that for a one-year rental? Would you do? No. No. 
unless it's guaranteed but that here's he'll the sign thing. an extension. Well, that's the thing. Like, it gives you a window for It gives a year. you the window. It's like the Machado situation, exactly, right? It's right. like, hey, come to us, see what it's like. I mean, let's let's be honest. The 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 Hawks go from a bottom third decor to a top ten, top eight, top five with Eric Carlson in the mix. It, it totally changes things. And from what I understand, he's got a relationship with Eric Gustafson um, from playing with Sweden or um, I don't know All how those much Swedes that, are like a little yeah, fraternity. I don't know, especially with the defenseman. I don't know how much that's going to help you know the Hawks cause potentially, but. Man, you're right. All of a sudden, you look at the deep, and you're like, you know what? This ain't too bad. Right. If, yeah. if, if they can't get him, um, are we like, are we in the like Justin Falk makes sense in a lot of ways. Yeah, and he's not going to cost you. A doesn't ton. cost you a ton. Yeah. You got two years. He's 26. Um, they're selling somewhat low on him because his numbers weren't great. The the one thing, and you guys mentioned the Scott Darling situation. To me, I, I'm not getting Scott Darling unless I know that Corey Crawford is damaged goods and I, I, I can't, I can't count on him to be my number one. Backup goal. Yeah, I just yeah. don't see that. And, and let's be honest, he had a horrible year. Yeah. And you could say all you want that it was a change of scenery. I, I don't know if I'm always going to go on the change of scenery, play the change of scenery card. He had an eight. 80 save percentage. Yeah, which is very bizarre because he was like... He was statistically the worst goalie in the NHL. Yeah, and he was coming off a season in which he hit was like one of the best five-on-five save percentages. Some so guys, was, though, they just aren't cut out to be the number one and play 60 games. Some guys are just meant mm. to be the number two, give you 30 really good ones. I don't know if it was that. I think it was um, the way Carolina played, um, which was kind of contradictory because right after the Scott Darling trade I wrote that it was a perfect fit because uh, yeah. it, you know and it was in in theory and I will not back down from what I wrote but it was just um the, I don't think it it was just a very different system like um so I don't know so would would you not want Scott Darling because you don't see him as a backup or you think he'll just get an opportunity elsewhere uh to uh, to me at that that price point, and I'm okay, not okay. convinced that they're going to eat part of that. I'm assuming that I have to eat uh, 4.4 million or whatever he's making, 4.2. That's too much for a backup. I can't command. I can't be spending 11 million dollars on my goaltenders. I, I just can't with 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 guys making 10 and a half million Kane and Taves. I just can't do it. Well, what, so, what if Carolina well, eats like half the salary? You still... Yeah, that doesn't happen very often in the NHL. There's not a lot of, I right. mean. Well, it only I happens mean, like, for Carolina because like, they, they need it to get to the floor. Yeah, unless you say they up. take they take Hosa or like, I mean, like. <laughs> that's I mean, too much. I, I don't see them being that accommodating, but. So that's what, that's what to me, that's what it comes down to. Either Justin Falk or Scott Darling. There's no way you're going to be able to get both. And there's no way you're going to be able to unload Host's contract to Carolina. Like, if you don't. Like, I, yeah. I just, I'm having a hard time I, I don't feel they together. need to unload his contract. They can put him on long-term IR. The only thing is they got to wait till the season starts. Well, that's it, it, it paralyzes you to a degree of, like, being aggressive in free agency. But you can still use that money it's just you've got to use it a little bit later. I think the, the draw is that it, it frees it up now. You don't have to worry about the in-season, putting them on long-term IR. And it, 
it's a it's an asset to certain teams that need to make the salary cap floor. True. Uh, we saw that with the Datsuk trade with the Coyotes a couple drafts ago. They're willing to take any contract to reach the floor, and you're getting pieces that they're hoping fill out their future just so they can take And a it's only contract. $1 million yeah, for the next three money. years in real money to right. host it. So they're right. not technically eating the five-point-whatever cap hit. It's really $3 million. That's all there. I think after two more seasons, if they want to buy them out, the buyout number is really low for hosts. So if they want to keep it, it's still an asset to them in a way. They just, like you said, can't use the money in the same way if they were able to get rid of the contract now. Right, and we're talking about the salary cap going up to $80 million. So $5 million is a big jump. $5 million is a big jump. So it's not like... Everyone sees this as, like, teams doing the Blackhawks a favor by getting – like, that would be a big deal for Arizona if they're really struggling to get to the four, you know. So it's not like – I'm not saying the Hawks would be doing Arizona a favor, but, you know, there's a – it's not like the Hawks would have to attach, like, a Vinny Henestrosa to Arizona. Right. Please take – like, they'll be fine if they don't. Uh, last question. Yeah. A week from now, Friday after the first round, um, will the Hawks have made a significant trade like they did a year ago? Well, I don't know if it's going to be to that magnitude, but I, I, if if you told me like that they're going to make a, a shakeup, like I wouldn't be surprised. I I'd wouldn't. be surprised if they didn't make a significant. Yeah, trade. I think it's. Uh, I think to me, you will see a trade to acquire a what they believe is a top four D man. Let's put it this way, because this makes it more interesting. Do you think they'll make, because last year they made the move the day before the draft. Right. Do you think that the big move will come on draft day on Friday, or will they do it before? I think they'll do it before, and I, I, I think one of those picks will be a part of it. I do think, I agree there, one of those picks is gone. They're going yeah. to only take one, one player, either at 8 or at 27. Yeah, if I was a, if I was a betting man, I... I would say that the shakeup, or not the shakeup, a trade would happen on Friday because I think they'll keep the eight and I think they'll trade the 27. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure because how do you trade the 27th pick on the Thursday? Like something would need to. I feel like the draft is going to unfold a certain way and then they're gonna, these GMs are going to get on the floor saying, all right, well, we're ready to pull the trigger. We want 27 or, or yeah. whatever. Well, we'll find out. Uh, our thanks to Charlie Romeliotis. Slavko Bekovic, guys, great job as always. Uh, NBC Sports Chicago. Charlie will be doing that podcast next week from Dallas. Uh, our thanks as always, uh, our thanks to Mark Kelly, uh, VP of Amateur Scouting. Uh, we're going to hear from Stan Bowman next week in Dallas as well. So uh, make sure you uh, download the uh, podcast next week as well. And thanks as always for listening to the Hawks Talk podcast brought to you by Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. I'm Pat Boyle. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next week. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.